Greetings. It's Ed, Ed Gallo from the Fight Site. This is the Wrestling for MMA podcast, but it's actually a special bonus episode. If you're waiting for UFC 251 breakdowns, because all three title fights had a decent degree of wrestling in them, and I think I will be talking about them and writing about them, but you have to wait. Had to wait a week. So, bonus episode this week, and then we'll do listener questions, we'll do breakdowns, the whole thing next week. This week's episode is about old fights, old heavyweight fights. Things you wouldn't expect me to want to talk about, but I'm being paid to talk about them, so I'll do it. I'll talk about anything if you pay me, within reason. I can't really define what within reason means, but within reason. Uh, before I get going, I want to remind you that we have merch for sale, and it's pretty cool. I like it. Maybe there are more options on the way. Maybe you're stuck with what we have now. Try it out. Order something. See if you like it. Uh, I'm not going to promise you any reimbursement or anything if you don't like it, but I mean, you probably have like a thousand t-shirts you don't like, so I mean, one more wouldn't wouldn't kill you, but I didn't, I didn't get the t-shirt. I got a bunch of other stuff. Uh, but yeah, can always use more tank tops and crew neck sweaters. That's what I'm about. Yeah, get some fight site merch. And if you're looking for training gear, Hyperfly is the place for you. We have an affiliate deal. So if you use the link at the bottom of our website pages, you can access their store and anything you buy. Some of that money goes to us, which would be great because we use it to pay our writers. All of our money every month goes to our writers. They are paid. They are professionals, which is pretty interesting if you think about it. So, yeah, Hyperfly, merch store, maybe more sponsorships to come. We'll see. Uh, yeah, but definitely check out the site right now to see if there's any post-fight stuff. If you're looking for that, that's thefight-site.com uh, for any of our articles. And then, yeah, check out our YouTube channel as well, which you're probably on if you're listening to this and see what else we got going there. If you're listening to this on YouTube or Spotify or what have you, it's audio only. And that is because I'm going to be watching a fight and sharing my screen and showing the fight and then talking about it. And for obvious reasons, I can't put that on YouTube because someone owns the footage. So it will be on Patreon. Uh, so if you're a patron, $5 and up, I'll say, you can watch this. And uh, hopefully I'll be able to like slow things down and go back and forth and really take my time with it. But that wouldn't really be super fun for the people listening. So we'll see. We'll see what I end up doing. I have not planned it. You know me. I like to fly by the seat of my pants. Okay. The fight I'm watching is one that probably intrigues a lot of people. It is from Pride Final Conflict 2003. Minotauro. Minotauro? Minotauro. Nogueira versus Mirko Krokop Filipovich for the interim heavyweight title. Some context around this fight. At the time, Krokop was 7-0 in his MMA career with two draws, one of them just to Vanderlei. It was a special rules where I believe if there was no finish, it was automatically a draw. And uh, yeah, he, at the time, he had wins over Sakuraba, who is obviously much bigger then, but it's impressive for a, a newbie. Uh, Volchanchian, Igor Volchanchian, one of the hardest hitters in the sports history. That's Stylistically, with the matchup in mind, it makes sense that he won that. It's still impressive. Uh, Heath Herring, I think for someone that's just starting in MMA at heavyweight, 
beating Heath Herring at that time is pretty impressive considering he's a wrestler and he doesn't not know how to strike. He can do something. Uh, so it's, you know, at the, for the context, it's impressive. So he was definitely on his way up. And uh, at the same time, he was just finishing up his kickboxing career, the first stint of his kickboxing career. He'd come back a few times, but yeah, he, uh, he was, his last fight, he knocked out Bob Zapp. And uh, he had recent wins over Mark Hunt and uh, Remy Bonyaski, which is, that one's impressive. So he was definitely one of the best heavyweights in the world in kickboxing simultaneously while building this MMA run. So definitely juggling both sports simultaneously. I believe this fight is probably what prompts him to, to commit to MMA. So that's the challenger, Krokop. Uh, the favored challenger, who had recently lost his belt to, to Fedor, is uh, Minotauro Noguera. Minotauro. I keep saying Minotauro. That's Lil Nog is Minotauro, Big Nog is Minotauro. I know this. I know this. I'm not new here. I know these things. Okay. He's like 25 fights into his career right now. Uh, most recently, he fought Rico Rodriguez, won that after the Fedor fight. Before the Fedor fight, he had a 13-fight win streak going. He beat Dan Henderson, who was obviously bigger than him. Uh, Semi Schilt, who was obviously a great heavyweight kickboxer, but not much of a grappler or wrestler or anything. Uh, Bob Sapp, which, okay, I know I said Bob Sapp, but if you watch the fight, he is, like, just a monster. Like, very, very big, very, very strong. You know, had some gas in the tank. Like, peak roidness Bob Sapp and uh yeah it's just it's a crazy fight for for a grappler to try to win that with that kind of size disparity is very tough so like I said with Krokop within context it's it's relatively impressive he also beat Heath Herring and he uh, had a win over Mark Coleman at the time so those are the ones that jumped out to me like oh yeah he's, he's doing good for the for the landscape at the time again I'm not going to try to not yet apply too much of my modern lens on this and be like, oh, Heath Herring wasn't a complete mixed martial artist. Of course he wasn't. It's 2003. Uh, but yeah, I have some goals. I have some goals with watching this fight. Uh, the reason I'm watching this fight is because it's a Patreon request from site founder and my partner and boss sometimes, Kyle McLaughlin, uh, historian of the fighting stuff. And he asked a few questions. He asked me to watch this fight and comment on how good Krokop's takedown defense and wrestling was in the first round of this fight. It's kind of spoilers, but I'm going to ask all the questions anyway. That way I can answer them as they're coming. What adjustments did Nog make that allowed him to take Krokop down in round two? And then given how good Krokop looks in round one, spoilers, I guess he looks good in round one, uh, what grade would you give this win on the Ed scale? Now the Ed scale is basically how I evaluate a fighter's resume. Uh, it, it's, it was originally how I tried to devise my greatest fighters of all time list when we did that for the site. Uh, I signed a, a numbered system <laughs> to the wins on the fighter's resume and basically how good that fighter was in that fight. So if I beat Mark Hominick and Mark Hominick looks, you know, fantastic with some limitations, like, okay, Mark Hominick was a 79 in that fight. Uh, and then, you know, by accruing lots of numbered wins, I come up with a total and averages and your best three wins and, and rank them in that order. So that's a document I have that I don't really share publicly that I, I'm still working on it. It's not really that great of a resource for like the greatest of all time. But if you want to see like people who have lots of good wins, that's a pretty good resource for that. <laughs> so based on that scale, uh, how would I judge Krokop? Because Noguera wins. Um, so I guess I'm trying to determine 
how hard was how hard was it to beat Grokop at that time? How good was he? How tough was he to beat? And that factors in, you know, skill, efficacy, game planning, athletics, you know, cardio, strength, all, all of it, everything. So I think at, at, for, at the very least, I'm giving people credit for everything they bring to the table. Um, and it creates some interesting uh, numbering discussions just because it's hard to think about how much weight you give to certain things. But I will try my best to keep that in mind while I'm doing this. So I'm going to be basically judging Krokop's wrestling in the first round talking about what Nog's doing to succeed later on, and then overall rating, giving Krokop a rating. Okay, so I'm going to get started, and we're going to watch the fight together, and or you'll listen to me watch the fight, <laughs> if, whatever you want to do. Um, again, five bucks on Patreon will get you on, on here. Um, maybe I'll make it three. I'll make it three. I'll make it three, three dollars to, to watch this fight with me, okay? Uh, so it'll be available to all patrons. Three is our minimum donation. Cool. Okay. Let me share my screen for those who are watching. And we're going to full screen it. And we're going to watch. And I'm going to watch with the sound off because sound on has never been good for me, really. And I'm talking. Okay. So the fight just started and the clock is at. Clock hasn't come up yet. <laughs> I will tell you what the clock is when the clock comes up. Uh, but the fight has started. Uh, Krokop is pressuring, Nogera is pawing with his jab, they're in an open stance matchup here, so if I'm Nogera, I want to shoot on that lead leg, a single, double's not really an option right now, or at least not a good double, um, but you can definitely go outside step on that single, and I'm not really sure about Nogera's wrestling system, so we'll see, we'll see what type of shot, yeah, straight on basically, uh, not much of a... <laughs> A name for that. So he just shot straight on uh, off the hand fight a little bit, I would say. Maybe he was timing Krokop reaching for the hand fight, but it was just so far away. Uh, Krokop hit back and he has really powerful hips, you know, fed him that forward pressure from his hips and uh, said, oh, nope, and pulled guard immediately. He didn't want to try to waste energy fighting through a, a situation he wasn't really prepared to fight through, which is fine. If you have a, a great guard, it makes sense to just touch a leg and get to the guard right away. And, you know, it's the safest way to avoid being struck by Krokop, which makes sense to me. Um, but yeah, good reaction time by, by Krokop. Um, he also didn't, you know, overcommit to anything. He didn't leave himself open to bait that shot. Uh, I think that's why Nogueira didn't have so much success getting it deep on that, is there wasn't really any opening created. That's also an indictment of Nogueira, but it is impressive, you know, for someone so young in his career at heavyweight from kickboxing to be ready for that. I'll give him that much. I don't think I've seen enough to come up with the rating yet, but it might be one of those fights where I'm just going to have to keep in mind how good Krokop is as a striker and then fill in the blanks based on his grappling and wrestling in this fight. Nogueira going, you know, over, over ties on the wrist, breaking down Krokop's posture. I assume because if he lets him posture up, it'll be easier to get up all Krokop's stacks there. You go into... Ground and pound him, which is an interesting move because I think you're closest to escaping when you're in that stack position. But maybe he's not so confident in his guard passing. And if you, you know, compromise your stance to split the guard, the close guard, when you're stacked, it could open up like leg entanglements. I don't know if Nogueira did leg entanglements, but it makes it possible. Prokop um, keeping his elbows inside for the most part, uh, going for like that can opener grip just to keep. Uh, Nogueira's posture compromised, let him go on and build a base on the ground. 
And ultimately, sometimes people open their guards to free up some room when they're hitting that can opener on them. So I could see why it's uh, why it would be enticing. Yeah, just controlling risk well. There's not a lot happening here. I mean, O'Gara's landing some ground and pound. Through, like, actually scoring offense and offense only, I think you could say that O'Gara is probably winning <laughs> some, of, some of this uh, fight from his back. But Prokop isn't completely inert. He's finding time to, to mix and hammer fists. And when he's postured, he was attempting the ground and pound. I'm sure he hits very hard. Um, yeah, I'm trying not to be too critical because, again, it's 2003. Fighters just generally didn't look that impressive <laughs> compared to what we see now. Um, oh, he tries to flower sweep him there, I think, or at least set the armbar from it, but reaching inside on in that leg. Yeah, but Krokop's just keeping a wide base, keeping his head down, keeping his arms inside. I mean, if you've ever stalled in guard before, this is what you do. <laughs> and I have stalled in guard many times, so I'm familiar with these tactics. Um, nice. As soon as Noguera opens his guard and he feels like the wrist control is loose, he, he stands straight up out of it. Let's see what other subsequent shot attempts we get from Noguera. Back to the open stance. Oh, hi, Toasty. My dog is also here. I'll hold her up to the camera. Entice you. Entice you to watch. Now there's a dog in the shot. Your move, non-patron. David Noguera's shooting that. I'm sorry. Krokop's shooting that straight down the middle. Hitting that softball double attack. Mixing the body kick, the high kick, all those uh, round kicks that come across the open stance. You know, just the way the body's lined up makes it so much more powerful that way. Nice. So Nagara just tries to rush forward and, and clutch him. And uh, Krokop gets underhooks as he's coming in and frames off and just pushes him off. So there's a big physical difference here. And Krokop's nailing that body kick now. Nagara is basically just trying to catch his elbow on it and he's you know, leaning into it. And his reactions to these strikes are just very bad. They're bad. <laughs> I said I wasn't going to be mean, but that was bad. Yeah, and that's just another lunging reach from Noguera. He's, he's hunched over. Um, he didn't even take a penetration step. He's just trying to lean forward and grab a leg, which is really not a good way to actually take someone down, but to pull guard, maybe. But I don't know if he wants to pull guard now that he knows it's not going anywhere. Oh, it's preferable to getting Southpaw double attacked by Krokop. See, that time Krokop's arms were actually outreached. Noguera tried to shoot under, but again, his shooting mechanics are just all over the place, not good. Um, so it wasn't too hard to create distance there, uh, especially because his arms are outreached and he was, O'Gara is barely changing levels, so it's kind of easy just to frame off the shoulders and collarbones and all that. Yeah, overall from Krokop, this is, this is the approach you'd want to see, you know, smart shot selection, attack the body, keep some distance, yeah, <laughs> nice. He reached underhook and pivot. Nogara didn't even reach his legs on the shot, and, you know, Krokop did kick back with his, his hips and feet a little bit, but Nogara wouldn't have gotten a, a good shot off there. So, yeah, he just dug that body kick in, too. So, I would say that Krokop overall has the right tactics. He's not doing anything wrong. It's just that Nogara is so <laughs> ineffective with this approach right now. Uh, now Krokop's doubling up on the uh, on the straights. And then has the, uh, the body kick coming right after it. Super impressive. It's just funny to see a heavyweight striking well <laughs> in MMA, especially here. But I have to remember that he's one of the best heavyweights in the world in kickboxing at this time. Okay, so when Krokop, nice, when Krokop picks up the pace, uh, O'Gara finally gets a range he can shoot on. And uh, Krokop frames and pivots out, which is really nice. And then uh, 
Nogueira reshoots and gets to the ankle, and Krokop turns and kicks out. So he's he's got some little a little open stance elbow game going on right now. Uh, so that's pretty encouraging. Yeah, Nogueira is basically just trying to flurry. There's a little a clinch entry from Nogueira that was impressive. Uh, yeah, punch punched into the clinch entry, punched into underhooks. Uh, so that's going to be a better idea for him. Even if he wants to pull guard, at least it'll be a more stable position. But again, Krokop's got really good instincts to, to pummel for underhooks and create separation. Give him my dog a massage as I say this. All right, so now Krokop is a little reachy on that on that straight, so that's what Nogueira took for uh, for his entry. He said, okay, he's compromising his stance. He's giving me a lot of forward, forward momentum. He's kind of ran into his hips and fell over. <laughs> So yes, Krokop has great hips and he's very strong and, and physical, but also Nogueira uh, just does has very little going on for him as a wrestler, at least in MMA, in MMA context. Want to get down? Oh, oh you don't want to get down. All right, you can stay. <laughs> Krokop using his deep leg a little bit now just to, to chop on the outside. Little hand fight there. Yeah, shooting straight off the hand fight. Like I said, Krokop's doing a lot of great things. I would just like to see something more encouraging from Nogueira to answer why he wins this fight. <laughs> I don't really see it coming yet, unless Krokop gets a little overeager because of the success he's having. Nice sprawl there, stuffs his head in front of headlock, just pushes off. And you can see Krokop's really quick, sneakily getting a little bit of an underhook on, on the initial shot until he straightens him up, then pushing down the head once he knows he has separation. Nogueira almost caught the leg there on the body kick. That could have been something. But again, reaching your hands down to catch Krokop's body kick is just a terrible idea. You're going to get head kicked eventually, which is the whole point of the, uh, the mixing the levels off the, uh, off the kicks. Nice post there. Uh, Nogueira tried to rush him for the clinch again, and uh, he basically straight-armed him and <laughs> palmed his face and, and posted off. Yeah, good footwork from Krokop. He's maintaining that same distance, you know, just stepping laterally back into the center. And when Nogueira actually tries to push him back, he's posting and he's pivoting off after he creates that distance. He's slamming that kick on. Nogueira's tough, man. I knew that, but super tough. Uh, Nogueira fainted the right hand that time and looked for Nogueira's reaction. Nogueira's just trying to crash in and meet those strike entries to get to the clinch. Uh, but Krokop is retracting his arms after the punches and uh, getting some some barriers in between them, pushing off and pivoting out, which is really lovely stuff. And he's so strong <laughs> to be able to push him off like that. But you have to consider in kickboxing, you're not really one to to clinch, especially in 2003. I think clinching was a lot more common. They, they allowed it a lot more in K1. So I'm sure he's used to pushing people off of him when they try to you know rush straight in to clinch. So yeah, I, I definitely could see why you'd give Krokop a, a high rating for this fight on, on the Ed scale. Um, I could see him being in the 80s, and that was what Kyle assumed. Oh, he just nailed a head kick and dropped him. Yeah, I knew that. I knew him reaching for the body kick was going to result in that. And obviously, I've seen the fight before, but it was years ago. So I don't have any specific detail recollection, but that was, that was common, the way he was reaching for those body kicks. What adjustments should Nogueira make? Uh... <laughs> Pull guard again. I don't know. Now I'm interested to see how he does this. I think um, it's it's one of those situations where he doesn't really have the skills to make any like real changes on his attempts to make his attempts better. 
I think he just needs to sell out on trying to take him down and not take his time anymore because then maybe he'll gas. But if he's not going to do it, he's not going to do it. So you got to try. You got to try. If you can't get him down, you're not going to win. <laughs> so, and I think he'll need time. He'll need time to win because Pro Cup didn't seem to be terrible uh, as a grappler, even though he was on top and guard. But Nogueira's got a great guard for this division at this time. Absolutely. Yeah. In these replays, you can also see that Krokop on his right hand is uh, is darting. He's basically shifting out to his left, um, or to his right, rather, or to the other side, opposite side. That's what the dart is. Um, and then pivoting off of that. So he's showing a lot of great stuff and makes you wonder what he would be like uh, today in the heavyweight division. I think he'd be a little small, maybe, but not not too small. He just replayed the head kick, too. Yeah, no, Gary ate that. <laughs> He didn't kick through him too much, but it was definitely there was a little bit left on that extension when he got to the head. Uh, so surviving that is pretty impressive considering he knocked down Mark Hunt before this in, in K1. I don't know if he knocked him out, but definitely dropped him with the head kick. He was wearing shoes. Fedor in the crowd having uh, very long sideburns. He looks so young. I, like it's hard to believe how long people stick around in the sport. It's really sad. Speaking of all three of those guys, Krokop, Nogueira, and Fedor, <laughs> all of them stayed too long. We saw some ugly stuff, but at least Krokop went out on a high note. I don't know if you can really say that for Fedor. I think Krokop's career was the least sad. Well, can I say that? Nogueira won the UFC title. Some people would consider that to be a big deal. All right, back to the fight. Yeah, so, oh, <laughs> okay. Nogueira takes him down, and my initial impression is that it was because he reshot. I'm going to have to see this entire thing again in slow motion, and then I will walk you through what's happening. Okay. Nog steps in, calling for the hand fight. He enters on a, a blitz of straights. Prokop posts off, bounces back into the open stance. His back is to the ropes. He's moving forward. He posts again. He goes to he goes to post out again. Nogueira shoots under his arms, and this time he I think he timed him walking forward. Okay, I'm gonna pause it really quick. Here are the things that, that came together to him getting that takedown. And it wasn't what I was saying between rounds. I was saying he just needs to try it and, and just see if he can get the legs and just keep repeating until his skill can see him through. This just like percentage-wise, eventually he has to be able to finish one of these because of the positions he's putting himself in. That's not what happened. His constant clinch entry attempts are what did it. He was using the clinch entries to set up that reach, which allowed him to shoot underneath. And I've talked about it before. When I analyze freestyle, like high-level freestyle, world championships, Olympics, most of the shot entries on the highest, highest-level guys is they establish some sort of upper body clinching, hand-fighting, dynamic that they could know what they had to do to draw out that reach so it's like oh i'm clubbing i'm clubbing i'm clubbing i'm posting i'm clubbing and like every time i club maybe i go back into the collar tie uh and you don't want to be there with me i've established that this is where i'm good so eventually you can see that as soon as they see you reaching they're reaching back to you know somehow clear that tie um so that's basically what's happening here is Krokop is reaching and posting and pushing off. He's doing a great job separating Nogueira from the clinch. But that became his reaction every time Nogueira entered. 
pro cop thought that Nogueira was done shooting at his hips and shooting at his leg. He thought he was just going to try to clinch entry. He was wrong. I was wrong too. <laughs> I didn't see that coming. Uh, but yeah, he just kept uh, kept pushing, and eventually Nogueira doubled up, doubled up on his efforts. It was right after the break on the first clinch one, so he's in the habit already. He's ready to do it. And there wasn't as much space in between them as there usually was. And he timed him walking back forward because they were so close to the ropes. So it was a combination of their positioning in the ring, uh, the timing on the hand fight, the fact that he had just forced the hand fight. Um, yeah, all of that allowed him to shoot under on, on his hips. And I, I would like to actually see the, uh, the shot itself again and talk about that. Yep, so he paused. He paused with the lead from open stance and gets, uh, gets Prokop to shoot that straight. And shooting that straight and pushing out are the same motions. So you can do them both at the same time. So that's that hand fight. That's that push we are just talking about. But what's also great about that is because it's kind of like his straight, he turns his hips over. So he squared his hips on him when he threw that rear straight. Matt allowed his hips to become more available for a double. I was saying from the open stance, the double's not really there if you're in your stance. If you're compromising your stance and turning your hips in and becoming square, that's great. Even though that far leg is pretty far away, having that lead leg and the hip uh, can do a lot for you because then you can start to control their stance and change it and uh, eventually turn the corner, which is what Noguera is going to do. So terrible shot. He's uh, he's doing the opposite of what you do. He's dropping his rear knee and uh, coming up and, and putting weight on his lead leg. He gets... He gets to the legs, gets to the legs for the first time. And he drives forward. Once he gets to his knees, oh, here's a, a technical blunder by Prokop. I guess because maybe it was the pull, maybe Noguera was pulling him in. Uh, maybe it was the head positioning being directly underneath him. But Prokop does not sprawl straight back and he does not put pressure. He does not try to dig underhooks because basically, Noguera caught him reaching, so he's able to get underneath him. So he can't get under hooks unless he's super fast. Um, he is, but not this time. So already Noguera's underneath him, and he can't get behind those arms. So basically his options are to block inside the hips. So if you're watching the video right now, you can see that Krokop's right arm is there under the armpit. He could extend that out and put it in like the, the crux of Noguera's hip and push on that to extend his body further away from his head and his arms. Um, he can push down the head just to break his posture a little bit more, make it harder to build up. Uh, but he hunches over, he squats and hunches over and puts Noguera a lot underneath him. And that wasn't the right thing to do. Uh, and we'll see right here as, as things progress. Krokop goes from that squatted stance and attempts to kick his hips back. And Noguera t pops his head and turns the corner and actually... He capitalizes on that. I, I was not giving this enough credit. It's a good entry. The entry makes sense. I was really giving the entry a lot of credit. But the shot, despite the entry, the finish is actually pretty smart. And Krokop does do the right thing after his initial failure. He does adjust and say, okay, time to sprawl my hips straight back. Let's watch this one more time. He goes to adjust, and that, as soon as his hips start to fall back, it doesn't really matter. It's not like Noguera timed it in a split second and said, oh, he's going to sprawl straight back, time to turn that corner and pop, pop my head out. He was going to do it anyway because if Krokop was standing there right in front of him just trying to stonewall him and trying to like you know compromise his posture, uh, then you don't want to drive straight through if they're 
if they feel too tough to move forward anymore, then you can just turn the corner on them and they're standing still and their legs are there and their face is short. <laughs> their legs aren't far back, so their leg is right there for you to get around. Um, but I think that's what Noguera was planning on doing anyway from what he felt. But then that he timed it while Prokop was starting to adjust his hips to go back. It opened up that window on that, on that left side for Noguera to pop his head over. He's popping his head over. He's driving across the hip with his head, which is, you know, how you're taught to finish doubles. And he's collapsing that, that far leg with his arm. All the while, he's on his, on his knees. His legs are barely doing the work here. Um, but he did have some forward momentum on the side that he's building back up to his base after shooting from so far away. And you can see here he also has control of the, uh, of the left leg. And it's kind of flaring that out and, and pulling that up so it's not part of his base. So all that's coming up on the same side, pushing with his head. If you're not watching the video, I'm demonstrating the motion, sort of. <laughs> but he's collapsing on this side, pulling up on this side, and he's kind of turning the corner, at least with his upper body. You can see his upper body twisting there uh, to take him down there. And yeah, gets him against the, against the ropes and full guard. So let's see how this progresses. I mean, it was just one one error from Krokop, but he couldn't really afford it because <laughs> he didn't have the bottom game to deal with it. And uh, yeah, he got too comfortable with Nogueira's uh, entries. Nogueira really set him up there. I, I'm impressed by that. I'm definitely impressed by that. Mikhail knew what he was doing. <laughs> he told me to watch this. He knew I was going to be impressed. He foreshadowed. He answered his own questions. He sent me the questions and said, here's what I think. And uh, yep. He was right. <laughs> so we have Noguera in full mount here. His hips are very low, but I think he wants Noguera to buck and try to create space because that's going to allow him to transition to open up submissions um, despite the mount not being totally technically, mechanically perfect. I think that's what he wants a little bit here. He's grapevining a little bit more, which is what people like to do when they want you flat and not moving in the mount. I think he's you know, switching back and forth, but yeah, typically if you're about to attack something here, you get higher on the mount, you scoot your knees up toward the armpits and try to isolate some wrists and, and get something going there. Maybe transition to S-mount, see if they sit into a triangle or just go for the armbar there. And I know that Nogueira is a big armbar man and he's a big triangle man. So either one would be good. And Krokop uh, is not really trying to buck him. He's pulling his legs up into... Nogueira's butt, which doesn't really make sense. There he goes and tries to pop his hips, and he posts straight up. He posts straight up from mounts to try to try to push him off, and Nogueira takes the arm. So he was definitely baiting that buck by leaving his hips so low. And yeah, he wins. He wins. Impressive. Impressive uh, strategy there by Nogueira. Okay, cool. I liked that. I really enjoyed that. Okay, so let's take a look at the questions again and see if I answered them. If not, I will answer them now. So the first question was, was how good was Krokop's takedown defense in the first round? On the first round, I, I found nothing to, nothing to disagree with. And in the second round, it wasn't that I thought Krokop made a huge mistake. His wrestling looked the same that it did in the first round. You know, someone getting to your legs doesn't totally invalidate you as a wrestler. It happens. People get to your legs sometimes. It was his extended reactions once he was on the legs that worried me, but he was so inexperienced as a wrestler. I mean, crazy inexperienced. So it's totally acceptable for, for the time. Um, yeah, I think while I was 
watching. I explained the adjustments that Notepara made. It was just one adjustment. <laughs> it was one adjustment from setting him up with the uh, with the clinch entries to switching to to the level change. Um, but yeah, that's that's an interesting way of exploiting level change dynamics without really striking. He didn't strike to set that up. He just his grappling changed levels. His grappling attempts changed levels. That was that was cool. Um, I'll be thinking about that for a while, actually. Uh, so I think I answered both those questions. And then uh, part three, how good, given how good Crow Cop looked in round one, what grade would you give this win on the Ed scale for Noguera? And now I'm, I'm questioning, does how many wins does Noguera have? Because if I don't have him on my, my all-time list, he might belong there. I guess I'll have to watch his fight with Randy Couture at some time, because I know Randy's pretty solid. I, I'm not sold on Tim Sylvia, but maybe I'll watch that. Josh Barnett. Young Verdum, probably not Young Verdum. Sergei Hartanov used to be good. I don't know, I might have to do a Noguera career rewatch with Kyle and figure this out to the bottom of this, because I don't want to disrespect a legit a guy who has legit wins. You know, I've, I've always respected Noguera as a fighter, but I've been disrespecting his wins, and maybe his wins are actually pretty good, um, considering how good Cop looked there. Yeah, Kyle, you might have sold me on a, on a career watch there. And for a number, I'd have to think a little more about it, but considering he's getting a lot of a big boost because of his physicality, like his athleticism, especially for the division, like holy cow. Wow. Um, he's really strong. <laughs> his hips are great. His cardio is holding up well. Uh, he was super calm, relaxed. So physically, mentally, he was totally there, uh, very impressive. And then obviously his kickboxing pedigree puts you up pretty high there. Uh, you can all fill in the blanks for his, his striking skill. But off, you know, from what I saw, the southpaw double attack was great. Um, and then, yeah, his wrestling and grappling weren't that bad. I mean, he made a, a rookie beginner mistake from bottom mount. But if you factor in the uh, the wrestling, where it was, and the clinch work, too, the, the clinch denials, that was nice. I think... Uh, like a, like a some somewhere in that B range, like 83, 84, and just yeah, just take away a lot because of the gaps on, on the ground. But it's not like he didn't have a top game at all. I'm like, I you know, put anyone in the UFC in bottom out and see what they do. Some people probably do that same stuff. You'd be surprised how not nuanced a lot of people are as grapplers in the UFC, and also how bad you think sometimes when you're in the in the thick of things. You're in the cage. You're in the fight. And you forget how to do mount stuff. And you're like, I'm just going to buck and post. And you get armbarred. <laughs> yeah, like 80, 82, 83. I don't know. You said like 86. I think that's possible. But yeah, somewhere in that like 80 to 85-ish range would be comfortable for me. So yeah, maybe we'll get to the bottom of this. And you'll pick out like four or five wins you think would hold up. And we'll take a look. But yeah, that's all. That's all the podcast is going to be for today. Um, for this week, just that that bonus, that little bonus episode, and then uh, next week when I come back, we'll do UFC 251 breakdowns. I didn't watch all the prelims. I did watch the entire main card. I don't think I'm going to break down the Hebas fight or Andrade on Munis. I think I'll just focus on the three title fights. And before then, you will see an article from me about Kamaru Usman versus Jorge Masvidal. I'll focus on that one specifically for an article, and then. I'll talk about the other two on the podcast. And maybe in the future, there will be articles. I think I'll probably do a takedown breakdown on the uh, the inside trips that Volkanovski was hitting. 
or maybe some of the uh, the single leg finishes that Jan was hitting on uh, on Aldo. So there was wrestling in all three title fights. So that was exciting for me. But yeah, I will I will be back next week and we'll we'll do some of that. But I hope you enjoyed this one. And if you want more episodes like this where I watch a fight with wrestling in it and talk about the wrestling, I request it on Patreon and I will do it. Because like I said, if you pay me, I will do it. Okay. All right. Bye-bye.